Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Recorded live. Hey, welcome to Podcast Winterfell, episode 232. It is our fan call-in predictions expectations cast, where hopefully we'll have some folks calling in to give their predictions or expectations regarding season five of Game of Thrones on HBO. Do want to remind everybody that this is a TV-only cast that we're doing, so those of you in the chat room and anybody on the call We'll want to keep those discussions uh, non-bookie, so to speak. In the meantime, my name is Matt Murdick. I am from podcastwinterfell.com, and that's where you can find all of the back episodes of the podcast as well as all of my contact and social media links and those all-important podcatcher links. And while you're at it, if you would, please take a couple of extra moments the next time you're at iTunes or at Stitcher and you're listening to this podcast, hit those subscribe buttons and also leave me a review. Um, That would be very helpful for me as well. You hit the subscribe button, you get the content from this podcast all season long for the TV show. And a review helps me get more noticeable to other potential listeners just like yourself. And I want to give a shout out to... I talk to this guy on Twitter all the time, and I hope I don't do his last name wrong. Dennis, either Hoxie or Hoxie, uh, in the Canadian iTunes store. Thank you very much for your review. And tweet me, and let me know which way to pronounce your last name. Um, But thank you very much in the Canadian iTunes store for your review of the podcast. Those are very helpful. What is a fan call-in show? Some of you may be new to this podcast and don't know what I'm talking about. Well, it works kind of like a radio talk show where any fan of Game of Thrones, the television show, can call in and give their thoughts on the most recent episode that has aired on HBO. We'll have those each Monday after a new episode airs on the Sunday before, and I encourage you to call in at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time on those Mondays and talk to me about your feelings about that particular episode that you just saw the night before. Your comments will then become part of the podcast, which will come out either Wednesday evenings or Thursday mornings throughout the season uh, after we have our initial reactions podcast uh, with a crew of pre-selected folks and a, uh, a special edition of Podcast Little Fell, I think is what uh, uh, Heath and, and Axel are talking about. They are going to call their mini-discussion which you will be able to find on their feed as well as they're allowing me to add it onto this one. So three times a week, you'll get some content regarding each new episode of Game of Thrones. And I would really love it if you'd be part of it. And how do you participate, you might ask? Well, Wednesdays, (laughs) Wednesdays, well, Mondays at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time, uh, you dial 724-444-7444 
And then you're going to be asked by a little automated voice for a call ID. And you will dial one one triple eight four, and then the pound sign. And then you might also be asked for a personal identification number or PIN. If you don't have one, not a big deal. It just sometimes you're assigned one if you're give, if you are a TalkShoe member. But if you're not a member, it's no big deal. You just dial one and the pound sign, and you're added into the caller queue as a guest. It's really that simple. It doesn't take much time to dial those numbers, and it, I really would appreciate your thoughts. That's part of the reason we have, why we started this podcast was to have a community of people talking about this particular great television show. And uh, I, I take every call whenever they come in, uh, as long as time allows, and the order that they come in on my little talk shoe board here. Uh, so, uh, you know, get your call in right at the start of the show, and then you can hang around for the entire show, or you can just uh, say your piece and be on your way, whatever floats your boat. Uh, there are a couple of rules with our fan call-in shows, such as uh, this one is tailored much more towards the book readers, and this is both for the folks in our chat room and in the uh, podcast if you're calling in. Um, as you know, the, the show's still got some things left that the books may have covered. Uh, so there are going to be some things in those books that the show may or may not cover or uh, in the same order or there's stuff that we still know as book readers that TV show people don't know. And we want to be polite to our TV-only audience, uh, as you have been in the past. You were always polite. You kept the Red Wedding a big secret. You kept the Purple Wedding a secret. Um, you kept Ned's head a secret, the beheading. You kept that a secret. You're great at keeping secrets. So all I ask is that you continue to keep those secrets when you talk on this podcast, and we don't spoil any of our TV-only people. Um, bottom line, just no spoilers. Uh, the second thing that I ask is about the vulgarity. Um, I know it seems like a, a really ridiculous thing to ask in terms of Game of Thrones, which is one of the most vulgar shows on television. But uh, I do have a clean rating for this podcast because it helps me reach a larger audience. And so if you can help me keep that clean rating and not have to change it, I would very much appreciate it. Just think of this like a commercial radio show, like a commercial talk radio show. Uh, if you couldn't say it there, then you can't say it here. Those are pretty easy as far as the rules go. Um, and that's it for the rules. So those are two pretty simple rules. I do warn you, though, that I do have a zero-tolerance policy on these matters. And if you violate those rules, then uh, I'll just move on to the next caller, and I'll edit out the part of the podcast uh, that you were talking on where you either spoiled people or uh, cussed up a storm. That's just the way it has to be. Sorry. Um, Got to put my foot down somewhere. And uh, I bet right now you're thinking, okay, that's enough. Let's get on to the conversation about this predictions and expectations of, of Season 5. What do you predict? What do you expect from Season 5 of Game of Thrones? Um, I'm going to put some of mine out there real quickly uh, as we bring in a new caller here in just a moment. Uh, but let me just say real quickly that I think uh, looking at things from the perspective of the Season 4 finale, um, we have a lot of questions that we can be asking about what's going to happen in Season 5. We had Arya going off on a ship. I want to see where that takes her. Where does the ship go? Who will she meet? What will it mean for her? 
Um, this is kind of the first time that we're ever going to see Arya truly on her own, right? I mean, she's always kind of had a little father figure. Will she find another father figure wherever she's going? Will she not? Uh, we're going to have to see. Um, so she's off on a boat. Tyrion and Varys are off, also off on a boat together somewhere. Where will they go? Um, will Varys and Tyrion stay together uh, once they get to wherever they're going? Or will Varys return? Or will Varys point Tyrion in a direction and just let him go? And what is that direction? And, and uh, where will they end up? It's going to be great to see that. Um, the finale also saw Danny lock up her dragons. I mean, will she keep them locked up? Will that mean a shift in power in Marine for her? Is, because her dragons are locked up, will she not be as powerful as she has been in the past? Uh, will it cause things to happen in Marine that wouldn't have happened if her dragons were still relatively tame? We'll have to see about that. And in the season four finale, we also have Tywin Lannister, uh, who was shot and seemingly now dead. So that's a huge uh, drawing away of power from King's Landing. It's kind of like creating this abyss of power uh, or an abyss of, of powerlessness, or I guess, or power, I don't know. Um, anyway, Cersei, uh, Tommen, the Tyrells, Jamie, they're all still left behind, and we have to find out how Tywin's death is going to affect all of that going on in King's Landing as well. And really, if it affects King's Landing, then eventually it affects everyone in Westeros. Some other quick questions that I want to ask people as they call in, perhaps, is what is Littlefinger up to and how will that affect Sansa? What is Brienne going to do now that she lost Arya? Uh, will she continue to look for Sansa? Uh, what is Stannis up to now that he's at the Wall? Is he going to try and bring some of these wildlings in uh, to help him fight White Walkers? Or is he going to try and bring wildlings in at all? We'll have to see about that. How well will John meet and his Night's Watch? Will, how long will they get along with Stannis and Melisandre? Um, there's a lot of great questions to ask and, and predictions to make uh, or expectations to have for this season. And I'm really excited to hear what you have to say since I've now said my piece. And we'll start by bringing in our good friend of the podcast. He's also the host sometimes of the initial reactions. He will be hosting podcast Littlefell with his buddy Heath Solo, uh, and uh, that will be part of this feed as well. It'll be the second of three episodes each week covering each new episode of Game of Thrones. We welcome Axel Foley. Axel, how are you? I'm doing great, Matt. I'm super excited. I can't believe that we are, what, six days away. We asked for many months. Is it April yet? And it is, my friend. It is. It is April. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. It is April. So, Axel, I got a quick question for you before I let you uh, say whatever pieces you want to about your predictions or expectations, but I thought this might be a fun question to ask each person. Will we see boobs or blood first in Game of Thrones this year? Hmm. That's very, well, I prefer boobs to blood. So I'm going to go boobs, Matt. Yeah, I think that that's a fair answer as well, uh, and we'll have to see. Uh, I, I don't know. You know, I guess it all depends on what that opening scene is going to be, right? Because sometimes there could be some bad stuff happening in those opening scenes, but uh, maybe there'll be some goodness. We'll see. We'll see. 
It, yeah, that's a fun question. What do you got, sir? I mean, you've been chomping at the bit. I know we've, we've talked in a couple of podcasts prior, and you've been talking about all kinds of things that that it's been bubbling to the top of your head. And uh, I don't know if you want to start off with any kind of prediction or if you want to start off with uh, just what you expect in terms of how this season's going to rank against other seasons. What do you want to talk about? Well, you know, as we've said previously, one of the most interesting things about this season is going to be how far off book they go. And we've talked about that before. You know, I'm excited by it. And I think that the NBRs, as well as the BRs, everybody should be excited about it because it it kind of gives you more, you know? And I think it was super awesome that um, I know Railroad let go the first uh, – the first chapter from the new book, what was that, last week? Yeah, uh, actually, there's been about six chapters oh. released, uh, but this was the latest one, yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't – oh, he had done that before. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, he All doesn't right, leave them on his blog for very long. Uh, he doesn't uh, leave them on his blog for very long, but uh, he puts them up there, and then, uh, and then you can uh, – Usually somebody copies and pastes them, and then you could find them at a later date somewhere else. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, but, I mean, I just thought that that was kind of cool that that's happening now, and it's almost like a, a kind of like a, a peace offering, you know, to the book readers. Like, okay, look, here's – I am working. Yeah. <laughs> now you're about to get stuff in the season that might be different than what you expect or what you'll see later. Um but we we had talked about that before. What I wanted to mention was um, I was been I've been thinking more about Stannis because I um, had rewatched the last couple episodes. I'll probably go back and try to watch a couple more episodes before the premiere. Um, but you know we didn't see a ton of Melisandre uh, towards the end there, and with this with this major victory. Um, that he has achieved, uh, potentially. I mean, there's still more to do, right? Um, I just wonder, I wonder if he will not kind of maybe fade away from her, like once he kind of got what he wanted, you know? Because I always, I mean, I think there's always been a debate of how much he really believes, you know? Um, I mean, we know he believes in himself, and that he should be the one true king. But now that it seems like he's actually on a positive path for the first time to get there, especially with the Bank of Bravos behind him, um, I wonder if he won't maybe reject her in some way. And I wouldn't be surprised to see her have to sink her teeth into him uh, more than we've seen in the past. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, now, the whole idea of, of Stannis kind of rejecting Melisandre, um, I like that. I, I think that there's a point where we've all said that it seems to us that for uh, from our perception that Melisandre seems to be a means to an end for him, right? Um the question is, I don't know how long he'll have to hold on to her until he feels like that end is right. Um, yeah. 
amongst among all of the, the people that are in Stannis's camp, he seems to be the least believer of all of them, right? Even though he now has seen stuff in the flames himself, or so he says, um, we'll have to see where that does play out. On the other hand, Melisandre's got red hair. Um, John likes redheads. What do you think there? <laughs> yeah, that's just, that's interesting. Uh-oh. See, I, I never know how to take it when you throw something out like that, Matt, you know? Well, I lie a lot. I do. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so I'm just kind of thinking, okay, I'll put that I'll put that in the back pocket, but you're probably just trying to throw me off. Um, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. It's really interesting to me because um, before, you know, as the show's gone on, we've heard, you know, I've heard at least a lot about status from book readers and people like love them, kind of love them or hate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I want to see a little bit more of a reason to love him. Like, I've always liked the guy because I just find him to be quirky and interesting. You know, like, he's kind of nerdy. I tend to like nerdy people. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I'd be interested to also see, because they've raised the stakes with the, you know, quote-unquote magic with uh, the stuff past the wall, north of the wall, will they start doing that again more so... Um, with uh, Melisandre and whatever's going on with her. And maybe we'll see the, uh, I hope we see the brothers without banners. I know DJ Timmy, Tim Hines uh, doesn't like those guys, but I find them to be interesting. Oh, and there is definitely a connection between like Thoros and Melisandre. We've seen that connection happen before in season three. And so, yeah, yeah. So I, I can definitely see where you're going there. Maybe you can answer your own question about Stannis in this way, um, Axel. If you were Stannis, what would you do? Do you still perceive the threat beyond the wall? I mean, we all know what the White Walkers can do, but we have to assume that Stannis hasn't really seen that yet. If you're Stannis, do you, do you try and marshal, continue to marshal forces at the wall and, and fight the big battle there? Or do you turn towards the Iron Throne so that you can get all of Westeros into that fight? I mean, that's uh, that's a great question, and maybe what you're, uh, you know, hinting towards or throwing me off the scent um, is that that may be a difference that they have or that she may, I mean, she always said that that's where the battle was, right? That's the, that, that was their kind of uh, I guess, famous point, right, where she kind of said, you know, the real battle is there. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what she meant because she's in touch with that other magical side, and that's where that's coming from. But I could see Stannis wanting to, you know, fortify the wall, make, you know, make whatever kind of um, arrangement he can um, with the uh, king of what was what what it? The king in north, the, the king north of the wall. See, it's been a year, man. I miss, I, I forget this stuff. Yeah, I, that's what you would call uh, Mansoor, oh, I suppose, the king beyond the wall. Sure, king beyond the wall. There you go. Um, so, um, 
you know, I could see him wanting to settle things with them, you know, and say, okay, whatever, we'll give you this. Okay, you're so scared of whatever is past the wall, but you seem to be a, a person that I can work with. So stop raiding and killing all these people, and I'll give you this land near the wall. Mm. And then he thinks that maybe then he can go, um, you know, I guess then hit Winterfell and then make his way to King's Landing. Uh, I could see that because his main goal is to be the king. But I also think that even if he doesn't fully believe in whatever is there, he did see, like you said, he saw something in the flames, even though it was him being the king, right? Um, and But he did see, like, you know, I guess he could see the giants and the other people and see, oh, okay, some of this stuff is true. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I suppose he's not going to have to spend too much time north of the wall, even though they're not that far out, to encounter something or hear from so many different people that um, the White Walkers are real, that he would maybe keep more of a contingent there, you know, really fortify the wall with those extra dudes he has and kind of pick up more people as he goes, figure that he could pick up more people as he goes to King's Landing. Um, I could see him trying to cover both both sides, you know, because he's a smart, he's, he's a, uh, you know, he has good strategy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and that's a great, uh, that's a great point to make is the fact that I think that maybe um, what happens at the wall for Stannis and what he decides to do, um, whichever way that goes, um, may make a big difference for viewers kind of as answering that question that, that you, uh, that you asked, you're looking for something to make him love him. Um, What would make you love him more? Uh, If he just put his sword down and said, this is the last stand, no matter what, is that, is that what would make you love Stannis? Uh, No, what would make me love Stannis is probably doing similar to what I was just saying, which is covering all his bases, just being smart. Because I think I of all the people, um, he he seems to he has a lot of passion, obviously, and it's I think a lot of it's wound up in Melisandre and you know that mission there. Um, but he seems to also like like he's always struck me as kind of like a nerdy guy. Like you'd be like looking at strategy and saying, well, you can't just do one. You know, it's not all or nothing. You've got to have many different pieces. Like, that's what I look forward to seeing how he truly enters this game now, you know? Because he, like Danny, was on the outskirts of what was going on. He had his one, you know, the Battle of Blackwater. It failed, and then he retreats, right? Like, he's just kind of striking and leaving. So I'm interested now to see how he integrates himself into dealing with, you know, what happens. I mean, I guess it, if, if he does go to Winterfell, um, he's going to run into uh, Mr. Psycho uh, and <laughs> Mr. Psycho's son. <laughs> They're both psychos. Yeah. Um, Rose Bolton. 
uh, and Ramsey from Misfits. Um, You know, and how's he going to deal with them? You know, that's what I'm interested to see. I don't know. I just all of a sudden got kind of interested while I was watching it. I remembered, you know, I kind of forgot with all the pageantry and the big effects of all the horses coming in, um, which actually, that was a lot of, uh, that was a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. He had Look quite. I can even freeze frame it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He, he, obviously they used that money that they got from the Bank of Bravos yeah. very well. Because uh, it didn't seem like his forces were nearly that strong while he was still at Dragonstone, right? Oh no way, yeah. And it was, you know, it was like thousands of soldiers. Um, you know, I'm not a, uh, I'm not really into the military, so I don't know how much like battalions and all that, how many people that is. Right. Um, but he's got a lot, and he could potentially, you know, who the hell really wants to be under Roose Bolton and Ramsey? Right. You know, I, I I think that if he could take them out, um, they're not gonna. It's not gonna be like, uh, you know, people are gonna be like, oh no, we don't want to be with you. We they they were so kind to us. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> we thought they were so sane and loving. No, they'd much rather get with Stannis. I think. Sure. I mean, Stannis is much more likely to just cut your fingers off at the at the knuckles rather than you know, hunt you for sport, right? So, yeah, but he has a reason for doing it. Right. You know exactly. what I mean? Like, his reasons are of ethics, of his own ethics. They might be twisted or very harsh, but those two are just crazos, man. And I like to see them out. Though I, I really like the actor who uh, portrays Rose Bolton. He's really good. I, I like them both. I, I really like... I, I, uh, I think they're... They, they, present just enough crazy creepy to, to really make you scared of them, which I love. Um, but I, that's an interesting thing. Now, you know, a thought came to me while uh, I started thinking about season four and where Ramsey and, and Bruce and, and Theon are headed. They're headed to Winterfell, right? And we've seen Reek um, pretty much lose his mind over the last two seasons um, but what do you think the, just the effect of being at Winterfell might have on Theon himself? Because that's where he grew up. Yeah. That, that's, a, yeah that's a really good point. Um, maybe bring, I mean, I would think, I would think it would bring him a little bit back to his senses, you know? Like return home. to... What's that? Oh, I said we could only hope. Yeah. I mean, something, that story, as we've talked so many times, I hadn't even thought about that, about um, what could happen with him. But I always, I mean, I think that railroad, if I may call him that, I just, you know, we're both from Jersey, so I can I can kind of kid with him like that. We're old buddies. Um hanging out they owned. Um, but um, I, I always think he's such a good writer and there's oh, there, there's a lot of duality in what he does so I see um, I see Reek becoming more like kind of like uh, uh, varies 
because it, I mean, it's only the symbol of they both have their, you know, things chopped, right? Or we don't really know about berries, right? Um, that's only what he claims. You haven't seen it. But I can right. see him somehow. I mean, he's basically, he's, they spent so much time on him, and people must say this in the, about the books, too, that he's got to be important for a greater reason. Right. Yeah. I, I, right? I think... I think you're absolutely right there, Axel, and, and we'll have to see uh, how it all plays out, but uh, good points. You know what? Uh, before we talk any, bo- any more about any predictions or expectations, um, let me ask you to give us a prediction or tell us what the expectations of Podcast Littlefella is, since you and Heath are going to be doing that, and where they can, where they can find it, because you know uh, I, I don't... When it comes through my feed, the downloads are going to be coming through your site anyway. So, um, people, you'll still be getting it from the proper place. However, I want people to know how they can they can get it directly if if they don't want to wait around for me to put it up on the feed. Oh, I think we'll probably end up putting it on the film list, um, which you can uh, if you have a list, send it to Heath. The film list at gmail dot com, of course. uh, Will I mean it, it came because Heath and I were chatting, and he was saying that he's got to work on Sunday nights. You know, he's got to attend the old bar, and uh, I was like, "Oh man, you know, it would be great if we could just do a really quick show, where you know we just talk like for like a half an hour, just quick the biggest points of the show." And he's like, yeah, let's do it. And then he came up with the jokey name podcast, Little Fell. And I thought, no, it's a good name. Um, but yeah, so we'll just do on, we'll probably record it on Mondays, um, do do it pro style. We're all right with our pro equipment. We won't be talk shoe clowns for that. Um, and uh, put it on the uh, film list. And uh Yeah. It'll be fun, man. Well, we're gonna. I think we're gonna do it old mythos style, where I'll just come up with like five points. Um, so we we might not talk about everything because we're there's so many other shows too, right? That we'll be doing the uh, initial reaction, and then you'll be doing the fan call in. So um, yeah, but we hope to add something to it, and it'll probably be short. We say a half hour, but I mean, come on, how long does it take <laughs> you to tell that story? <laughs> well, you know, I'm looking forward to it because it was, you know, when when we started talking about this, um, you know, I was really I was really kind of upset that Heath wasn't going to get to join us on the in, initial reactions because yeah. he had he'd really wanted to, I know, and I I know it's always a, a lot of fun with like me and you and Mikey Hall and Donald and DJ Tim, you know, we just kind of shoot everything around and and talk it out uh, and try and process it at the same time. Because uh, most of us are just coming off of listening, but this is good because then you and Heath both will have had an opportunity to to kind of mull it over, and you'll come up with your points. And uh, I think it'll be some great conversations. I'm very pleased you're going to let me put it on our feed here too. Well, that was the original thought. The original thought was, I mean, really for us, the film list is is secondary. We definitely want people to check out the film list, and Heath has been killing it lately doing these podcast where he plays a little music and then he talks and it's like listening to a great radio show man it's like old free form radio um so people should check that out but primarily this is all about podcast winterfell baby 
We're going to have, you just sent me the bump. We're going to have the bumpers and everything, man. It's pro style, <laughs> baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Looking forward to it a great deal. Um, I, I know it's a busy evening for you, but if you have more time, if you have anything else you want to talk about, please feel free. Oh, man. There, there, there's, you know, I, the, the one thing that we haven't talked too much about in this lead up, because we've already, we did the, uh, the show where I was ill-prepared, so we talked about a lot of uh, predictions, which I appreciate that, Matt. Um, but uh, I wonder, and I, I will, I will make a prediction. I do think that we are going to see a lot more of um, the White Walker Kings or the the uh, what we saw last season which I know surprised even um, the BRs amongst us. Yes. And I, I do think that because if we're talking about the show is going to run, what, a maximum, I would think of three more seasons, two more seasons, right? Three, four? I mean, I know some yeah. people think ten seasons, but I don't think so. Yeah. Um, we've got to start the ball's got to really start rolling. And I think that that's, there's there, I could see potentially them wanting to like catch us up with that. And I don't necessarily think that that has to involve Bran and that dude in the tree, um, you know, the three eyed Raven, but I think it could be, and I hope maybe it's just a hope that I've always had. And I've talked about before on the show which is that we see some sort of structure to that um, that White Walker culture, that we see what they are and we learn more of them through being with them. And I think that that would be super cool, and I could totally see them going in that direction. Because if I was, you know, if you're writing a show like this and you're thinking about timelines, if you really want to get people invested, you know, I just doubt that we're going to go the entire show and they're just going to be this faceless monster nemesis. You know what I mean? Like there has to be something more to what their aims or goals are. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're absolutely right. Actually. I, I think that there has to be some little trip in there because it just doesn't seem like, even George's style, let alone Dave and Dan's style, to uh, make something just completely black and white. I know we, me and you have yes. talked about this before. You know, white hats, black hats, um, it just doesn't seem to, everybody wears a gray hat in this world. Uh, so it would be interesting to see what it is, because the White Walkers are, are pretty horrific uh, as we know them right now, but like you said, with that scene in season five, it certainly did. Uh, give us a sense of, 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 and again, as our buddy Ken from Cripples, Bastards, and Broken Things, he outlined it very well by saying, you know, they have a sense of, of culture, a sense of organization, a sense of structure, just as you said there as well, Axel. And um, what is it about them um, that that elevates that to that level of having a culture and, and all of that? Um, and is their purpose completely bad? Um, we will hopefully at some point um, find out as we go throughout this story. I don't know if it'll be this season, 
Um, I would think that uh, by season six, if Dave and Dan stick to their original plan of seven seasons, um, then you would think at very least you would have to get it by no later than the end of, of season six, right? Yeah. 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 And, and I really like what you're saying, too, about the um, the people wearing it gray. And when you think about all of the investment that all people who love this show have in the histories, and when we're talking about the histories and lores, there we've seen the introduction of the uh, the children, right? That one little girl mm-hmm. running around taking taking Brand to the tree man. Um, so what? And we know basically what I'm trying to say is the history is more complicated and there are these races of beings that are either um, lifted up or damned for generations because Mm -hmm. of something that happened, you know, generations ago. So what you say about the White Walkers, I, I think I would think to myself, gosh, you could see a lot of what the humans do as worse than what these white walkers do, like taking a baby and turning it into, you know, like, are they somehow damned to only be able to create themselves this way? Is this like a punishment? You know what I mean? Um, so it's it's interesting to think back at those histories and see how they'll come into play in the present. And that's, you know, that, that I, I look forward to that type of thing because that's how multi-layered the show is. That's what, that's what keeps you coming back for more because it's not just, you know, when's Danny going to get there with the dragons? There's a lot of other stuff going on, even past that. Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I, there's, there's just so many things that, could, that can be explored with that. Um, it would seem a shame if if we don't. It it would be hard to just kind of just dump it all into one thing, uh, like towards the end of season six. Like you said, you're hoping that we start to dig into that a little bit by little bit uh, more as we go along this season five. And I hope we do that too. Um, before I let you go, let me give you five. Uh, actually, six. This is a, a, a real quickly a list of of deaths predicted by Mary, who submitted this. And I, I won't say the context of them or how she predicts they will die. Um, but it, I found this list very interesting. Even as a book reader, I found this list very interesting. So uh, let me let me throw these names at you and see who hits you. Um, Braun, Davos, Grey Worm. As you uh, said you'd like to see, Ramsey or Roose Bolton, Barristan Selmy, and Jorah. Um, any of those names strike out to you as being more of a possibility than others? Hmm. That definitely sounds like uh, those all sound probable to me. I, I, I wouldn't be... Um, oh, excuse me. My dogs are going nuts because people around here are, are going nuts for the Duke game tonight. Right, um, yeah. Well, probably someone set off fireworks. Um, you know, they all sound very plausible to me. Um, but I think most uh, Grey Worm. 
Grey Worm sticks out as a definite yeah. possibility to you? I, I just yeah. think the whole romance thing, it's like they're setting them up for it. You know what I mean, man? It's like, and he has been, think about it, he is without a doubt the most, uh, I don't want to say pitiful, but he's like the, you know, He's 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 kind of like almost like the nicest guy in the whole show, even though he's (laughs) like uh, killed a baby and he's a ruthless like a warrior, but still he's like this sweet dude. Yeah, you and I. You almost think he's too sweet to be to be a warrior, don't you? Yeah, and that's and he probably is, because I mean, isn't that the age old story? When the warrior opens their heart, that's when they get a knife through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Well, what else you got, man? Anything or? Uh, well, if you have anyone else, you can bring them on, man. I think I might be uh, tapped out at this point. Gotcha. All right. Well, Axel, once again, thanks so much for joining us. You'll be taking the lead on some of the inter- initial reactions, of course, uh, when I can't make it, and then. You'll be doing uh, double duty all of the time when you're uh, either on with me on the initial reactions and on with Heath for a podcast, Little Fellow. You'll find that on the film list. Find that on iTunes and subscribe. Like uh, Axel said, there's some great, excellent uh, podcasts going on there. Not just Game of Thrones stuff, but all kinds of stuff, films and everything. And if you've got a list, send it to Heath, thefilmlist at gmail.com. And uh, how can people talk to you about Game of Thrones on Twitter if they want to, Axel? Yeah, well, I've been taking a little Twitter break, actually, the last month or so. But I think now with Game of Thrones coming back, I'll be on there. I'm at W. Axel Foley. And, uh, yeah, I love the uh, – I'm super excited, man. I'm excited about doing the shows. I'm excited about the show itself, just getting back into that world. And uh, it, it's a fun place to be. I think we're going to have a blast this season. Yeah. Me too, and I'm looking forward to talking about it with you and hearing your and Heath's thoughts. Thanks again, Axel, so much for joining us, buddy. All right, you're the best, Matt. Take care, sir. And no other callers. Any other callers calling in? I know, there's a basketball game on. I understand. I understand. Go, Wisconsin. Ooh, probably shouldn't have said that. All right, well, I'm just going to sit here for a little while, see if anybody else calls in. I'm going to put a little tweet out saying the phone lines are still open. Much easier at silence.
uh, the Memories of the Stark theme as we start this Cliff Notes. It's a special edition because we are doing our predictions and expectations special this week as we gear up for Game of Thrones, which is coming up this Sunday, the premiere episode of Season 5, which we're all excited for. I would be remiss if I didn't include a Cliff Notes with what kind of expectations or predictions that I have for the music, because that's the thing that's easiest for me to predict rather than the storylines. Many of you know that I've already read the books, but the TV show always presents some great surprises and possibilities, even for book readers. So I'm as much at a guess as to how things are going to be brought forth this season story-wise as you are. But I think I do have a pretty good grasp on the characters that we're going to see and with that, some of the thematic material that we might hear from Mr. Ramin Javadi. So let's start to dig in on the characters and their themes and the ones that I think that we'll hear fairly prevalently this season. And I suppose one of the easiest ways to do that is to look at where we were at the end of last season, season four, and where our principal characters that have music themes are at, where they're located, where they're headed. I guess we should start with the Starks and, you know, we're all really familiar with the, with the Winterfell theme and how it was associated with Rob, how it's sometimes been associated with Arya, less so with Jon, uh, even less so than with Sansa. And to be perfectly honest, when you think about Sansa getting a new kind of identity that she's kind of almost overtaking, even though she is still Sansa Stark and she's presented herself that way on the show. She's more with Littlefinger these days. And so I don't think, <clears throat> given that Arya is headed to a new place, that we'll hear much of the the old Stark theme there. Um, John is now much more associated with the Night's Watch. So maybe with him, we'll hear more of the, than kind of the Night's Watch theme. And uh, with Sansa, it seems to be much more associated with Littlefinger. So I'm predicting that we don't hear the Stark theme very much. But then again, let's take a look at these characters and figure out where they're headed, as I just mentioned, where they're headed and what themes we might hear associated with them. And I'll start with Sansa. Um, since she is traveling with Littlefinger and we now know that that one broad theme that I used to call the sinister Lannister theme because we thought it was associated with the killing of John Aaron is actually associated with Littlefinger. Perhaps, just perhaps, we will hear some of the Littlefinger theme again this year. And let me just give you a quick taste of that so you have that in your head as you watch season five. I do suspect that we will see some Sansa and some Littlefinger, and I think that both of them, 
because we saw them kind of working in consort together at the end of season four, that maybe this theme will be prevalent during their scenes. We'll have to see. Maybe Javadi will compose something new. Um, but if he is going to stay in the vein of Littlefinger plotting, and maybe even Sansa helping him plot, then we can kind of go with this route and, and think that that Littlefinger theme that you just heard will be the main one that we hear. Let's turn to another Stark, Arya, the little Stark, uh, one of the little Starks anyway, the youngest girl Stark. Now, she is on a whole new journey at the end of season four. We saw her getting on a boat. She was using the coin to get to the boat. Well, who do we associate that coin with? Who gave her that coin? Uh, that would be Jock and Hagar. So we have to assume that she has this plan to go at least to where he is from. And with that, perhaps, rather than hearing the Stark theme associated with Arya, and I don't think that we will hear the Stark theme associated with Arya very much because it seems to me like she's, she's trying to forget that little bit about herself. She's trying to leave behind all of that mess that she's gone through in the last couple of seasons and, and move on to this new venture, this new journey. Um, and maybe that involves the same group that involves Jock and Hagar. So maybe we will hear this theme, which was originally presented when Arya started meeting up with Jock and Hagar. Let's take a listen. If there is a possibility of the Stark theme being played, I think, you know, Arya has as good a shot as John, but I, I'm just not real certain that we're going to hear the Stark theme very much this year, as I keep saying. But one thing that I'm sure we're going to hear associated with John, as we've heard associated with him for the, especially last season when he returned to the Night's Watch, I, I think we're going to hear that wall theme, that Night's Watch theme that we heard associated with him very much during season four. I feel like that will continue. And just to refresh your memory, here is that theme. And I think we'll hear it with John a lot this year. is there. Stannis is there. So Melisandre is there. Uh, it's got to be a great possibility that we're going to hear the Lord of Light theme played, correct? Maybe Javadi will even come up with some kind of little uh, 
medley or, or way to intertwine the themes of the wall and the Lord of Light theme. That would be very interesting. I can kind of hear that in my head as to how it would work, uh, but we'll have to see what Ramin has planned for us. But just so you remember, here's the Lord of Light theme. another group at the wall of a lot of import, so to speak, and that is the wildlings. Um, specifically, Mance Raider and his gang have all been captured by Stannis, it's presumed, and we'll have to see how their role at the wall plays out this season, but I do think that we will hear some of their thematic material as well. Now, there's been two types of themes there's been that aggressive theme that we heard primarily in season four that was associated more so with the Fins, which is a group of wildlings, kind of a subgroup of the wildlings. But I think we're going to kind of go back to the other wildling theme because it kind of is more encompassing. And that we first heard at the beginning of season three with the introduction of Mance Raider. I think we will hear um, some of this theme that we hear associated with Mance Raider just kind of applied to the wildlings in general. Here that is. down from the wall back to Winterfell, we know that Ramsay Snow, uh, or I guess now he is Ramsay Bolton, and his father are headed there with Theon, or as we now know him as Reek. Now, I've, I've kind of been debating this as to what Ramin Javadi will do with that particular group at that particular place. Uh, you might hear little echoes of the Stark theme as they kind of uh, explore Winterfell, you might hear some of that, um, especially if uh, Reek is there and he's kind of remembering his childhood there. But I wonder if we won't hear a little more than we expect, especially when we see Theon or Reek in particular scenes. Coming back to Winterfell is probably going to awaken a lot of those memories. Remember, we saw him being almost kind of brainwashed into becoming someone else uh, throughout Season 3 and Season 4. And I'm wondering if he's going to start to remember his Greyjoy heritage as he comes back to Winterfell. And so I'm just going to throw a crackpot theory out there that maybe we might hear a little more of the Greyjoy theme uh, than we might suspect this particular season. Here's a reminder of what that sounds like. Also, as we move away from Winterfell, back down to the Riverlands, Brienne and Podrick kind of wandering around 
uh, uh, losing Stark people left and right. Uh, will we see Brienne? More than likely. Uh, will we hear the theme that is associated with her and Jamie? I think so, because she's still kind of on her mission for Jamie to find the Starks, find Sansa Stark. Um, so we might hear a snippet of this. kind of go into uncharted territory to me in a way because King's Landing is a whole different landscape now. We probably will hear a little bit of the Reigns of Castamere theme that we've been hearing since, oh gosh, since season two, I guess. Uh, we'll probably hear quite a bit of that uh, associated with Cersei. Um, I don't think there's a need to play that for you. Um, we might hear a little bit of the Jamie Brienne theme that I just played for you associated with Jamie. Um, there is a vast potential for new material for Ramin Javadi to compose uh, for this season because he has, even if he has some of the same characters, he has them in brand new situations uh, and their own kind of themes may develop out of those. And one of Bubba, can you hear me? I can hear you. Good. All right. Could you hear that that thing I was playing? Uh, I heard just a little bit of nothing, and then so I'm sorry. All right. Yeah, I I I I was just playing something to kill time, and I thought I'd switch it over to my uh, speaker uh, setting so that it would pipe through, but probably not. Oh, well, there was nobody here to hear it anyway, except for Kiana9797. Welcome. Call in if you want. Or Kitana. Sorry, not Kiana. Um, we're talking about Game of Thrones Season 5 expectations, and it's always a pleasure to have this gentleman with me to talk about those kinds of things. We welcome back to the podcast. As if he hasn't spent enough time here this off season. he's been here every week plowing through books with us, uh, we welcome back from the Joffrey of Podcast, the one, the only, the fabulous Bubba. Welcome, sir. Hey, Matt. I'm so excited. I'm Colin from uh, the campus of the University of Southern California, where as we speak, students are watching the first episode of Season 5 on campus. There's an Iron Throne out in the quad, as they say, which kids are sitting on and getting their photos with. Everybody's getting real excited for this coming Sunday. Why aren't you there watching it? Because, Matt, here's where I get my infamous hum humble brag. You ready? This Thursday, April 9th at 7.30 p.m., I am going to a premiere screening of the Season 5 uh, first episode on the big screen at UTA, which is a talent agency in Beverly Hills. Uh, it's a charity event put on where the, afterwards there's a Q&A with Game of Thrones writer Brian Cogman. So I'll be doing that Thursday night. 
and I didn't want to spoil my Thursday night experience by watching uh, the show uh, three days early. So humble brag, humble brag, or actually not too humble. Not <laughs> I think that's fabulous. Congratulations, brother. Now, let me let me ask you this. Um yeah. are is this is Catfish gonna get to go with you from the Joffrey podcast? We'll see. We'll see. He you know, of course he's coming with me. Uh if there are any questions that you want me to ask Brian Cogman other than why he deviated from the book and killed his Grace King Joffrey on the show. Otherwise, uh, uh apparently there's also beer, wine and appetizers as well as a raffle with prizes. So uh, it'll be this Thursday night. I'll see it uh, a couple of days before everybody else does on Sunday. Very excited. That sounds fabulous. That sounds fabulous. Well, we had Axel Foley on earlier, and, and Axel, that. he brought up a lot of stuff about Stannis and, and where yeah. we might think about Stannis. And uh, I know that Stannis is a, is, a great, is a favorite subject of yours, other than the fact that he is not his grace, King Joffrey. Uh, that's a that's a negative for sure, but um, I don't know. What do you expect out of season five? I mean, are you going into this particular season with high expectations? Uh, high expectations and trepidation. The, the, my high expectations are really based around the budget of the show. I mean, eight million an episode. An episode yeah. costs eight million bucks. So there will be no expense spared. In fact, they'll throw money at this thing. And so I expect this to be the most beautiful-looking season of them all. The trepidation is because uh, they're going to, you know, I don't want to say too much except that from the trailers, we know they're going to slightly kind of uh, put some storylines in a blender and see how they work together. So it's either going to be great or there's going to be a lot of groaning. And uh, trepidation, because how can I keep watching the show without his grace? So uh, a lot of exciting stuff. Uh, I can't wait. I'm just really glad it's here. Let's get going. Aren't you glad? Yeah. I'm going to ask you to make a bold prediction, Bubba, uh, really quickly. This is something that uh, I started with Axel, and anybody who calls in tonight will get this question from me. Will we see boobs or blood first on Game of Thrones? Oh, now that is a great question. Uh, I think I'm going to go with the uh, naked part first, but I imagine this is the way uh, I've been reading some. Uh, I've been reading some things, so I have a guess that as soon as we see uh, the the naked part of it, we'll see the uh, innards part of it, the blood. So <laughs> I imagine they could be like ten seconds apart. Uh, it would be my guess. Wow! Wow! Enticing! Enticing! Um, <laughs> and and. Quite scary, to be perfectly honest. I I thought about adding the third caveat of of, of balls, boobs, or blood, but I, I you know we just don't get a whole lot of full frontal in the men in this show, so I, I don't know. Uh, I'm sure that Ken is out there somewhere going, yes, you should ask that question. Yeah, uh, I don't. But, I, I mean, uh, not that I think about this too much, but I don't think we've had it since uh, the wine merchant in season one, and and then uh, before him maybe Theon in season one. So yeah, they've yeah. been uh, not equal opportunity for sure. Yeah, there was a Hodor in there somewhere as well, but I can't well, remember that was when exactly. Season one too, you know. Everything's yeah. been downhill since then. Yeah, they need they need to get on that. Um, they definitely need to get on that. Well, the appreciators of the of the male body are being deprived. Um, what else we got here? I mean, is there a particular subject, a particular storyline that you're particularly interested in? How many times can I particularly say particular in a in a sentence? Also, uh, well, I have an in particular. Uh, storyline I'm interested in. And that is, uh, you know, we've seen a lot of stuff 
uh, online. We've seen a lot of trailers, but we haven't seen uh, Arya get any new clothes. So uh, some of the photos imply that she may finally get to change her clothes, take a bath, for God's sakes, wash, <laughs> you know, bathe one time, filthy Stark. And so uh, I, I want to see how that goes. There really hasn't been much of her in the trailers, and so uh, that's what I want to see. The Arya storyline is going to be interesting, you know, headed off to a boat, um, on a boat and, and headed to, to seemingly to the origin of Jock and Hagar, since she's kind of following the coin there. Um, and I'm looking forward to seeing what that means for her in terms of the television show. And yeah, it's, a terrible, it's a terrible lesson for little girls. Some strange guy who likes to wear masks uh, gives you a coin and says, come see him. And then you get on a boat with some strangers I'm pretty sure a lot of Lifetime TV movies start this way. And so uh, hopefully it'll end better for her than uh, some of these other people. I just have this feeling that it won't, Bubba. I don't know. Oh, no. I, I, think it, I think it's the full, full out Lifetime movie coming for Arya Stark, uh, unfortunately. Now, um, we, I, I know that she's just a surly Stark. But uh, your interest in her, are you interested in her because you want to see how quickly she dies? Or is it because you're interested in her and you want to see how quickly she gets cleaned up and then dies? Well, that is, that is a great point. I've often mentioned in the past of how, you know, uh, the first episode begins by Joffrey showing up at Winterfell. And what does Jon Snow do? He does, oh, God, i got to join the wall. Then he finds out what Joffrey, how Joffrey uh, gave the gift of uh, death to his father, and he's like, screw this, I'm going to the other side of the wall. And so it's interesting now that Arya knows she could be haunted by the ghost of Joffrey, and she's like, I'm going to a different continent. So all of them are very interesting. We'll have to see, <laughs> we'll have to see what happens to her. <laughs> very good, very good, sir. Anything else you got? Well, another thing that, you know, forget being in the trailer much, uh, but also there just aren't many promotional pictures of, is our boys, the Boltons. And so I've, uh, you, you wouldn't ever say you like them, but I really want to see where that storyline's going, uh, mainly because I haven't seen much of about it in any trailer. So that's my, uh, that's what I want to see there. And, I, you know, if I guess if they keep me in the dark about something, that's where my interest go, grows. So uh, those are the two storylines I would be most interested in hearing about. Very good, very good. Uh, I I ran this list across Axel earlier as well, and I'll ask you. Our friend Mary sent us an email, and I won't go into depth as to why she thinks these characters. Mary is a book reader. Uh, however, many of these characters that she lists that she thinks will die this season have not died. Um, so let me just read this list uh, to you in the in terms of uh, what she says of people who may die. Uh, I'll just okay. rattle them off real quick and let you let you react to them uh, afterwards. Braun, Davos, Grey Worm, Ramsey and or Roose Bolton, Sir Barristan Selmy, and Jorah the Perv. Oh, well, good riddance to all of them is my first thought. But <laughs> I would say that uh, and this is, you know, they haven't shown much, but they hide stuff in the trailers. And so the only one that I even slightly question as being a possibility is those Boltons. I mean, you would think they would have to go in some sort of, you know, in some sort of kind of appropriate way after they were, uh, Roos was, uh, you know, stabbed Rob and was so involved in the Red Wedding and Ramsey just being so terrible with uh, Reek. So 
you know, they didn't show the Red Wedding in many previews. You know, the most they show was, was you know, like a stark flag and the fires in the distance uh, from the camp, you know, after the Freys were suddenly attacking Stark soldiers. So I suppose it's possible that Roos and Ramsey could go in some sort of way that they're really trying to hide. Uh, but that was the only one that I questioned, I guess I could say. I could see any of those others, you know, uh, freeing up some screen time for other actors. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, what actors would be left? That's a that's a lot of them. I, oh, uh, yeah. Say that. Well, uh, now Daenerys, uh, she would be losing both of her right hand men. Well, I guess she's already lost Jorah, so it doesn't really matter. I guess he'll just uh, you know he'll just keep riding a horse and and fall over on it. Um, Barristan Selmy, however, that's an interesting that's an interesting prospect. And I where completely that, agree. Yeah, where where would that leave Danny? I mean, she's got her dragons locked up for crying out loud. Uh, she's she really has you know Barristan's and and I guess Missande are are really all that she has right now, right? To people she can really have conversations with. Nothing against uh, Grey Worm or Dario. Dario's all about dropping his pants and Grey Worm. A little dry on the conversation. I'm not sure he'd be great fun at a cocktail party. So. Uh, <laughs> I guess what I would say is the um, it would be interesting. It'd be good. It's it's you know maybe she just needs the dragons. You know maybe she's picked up these followers, this army, and all this stuff, and really all she's ever needed was her children. So maybe that's a way you could look at it. But uh, gee, I don't know. I would say though that when you say that um, the one sorry, let me say as an overriding thing, one thing I've always thought is that Martin uh, kind of feels for the infamous cripples, bastards, and broken things. And so when you look at somebody like Sir Barristan, he isn't a cripple, a bastard, or a broken thing uh, yet. Now, admittedly, Jamie was a bastard and then became a broken thing when his hand got chopped off. So it's not to say Sir Barristan couldn't become one. But I would say if you're not a cripple, a bastard, or a broken thing, in Martin's world, you could be in deep, deep trouble. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really excellent point. That's really an excellent point. Um and I guess Tyrion is is somebody who just doesn't measure up. So the, the, does that qualify in any of those categories? Oh uh, well, I think he's a bastard. I think he's a broken thing now. I mean, he was you know emotionally broken uh, at the end of that uh, season four, and uh, you know, and I, I wouldn't call him a cripple so much, but he's got a interesting face scar. You know, he, his smile has been crippled, and so uh, <laughs> you know, I think he counts. I think. He, He's, uh, you know, it'd be shocking if we got rid of him, but I think he's joined that club that may be protected by uh, old George R.R. R. Martin. Excellent. All right. Uh, any other points, sir? Uh, just that we have waited so long. And I know, you know, I think it's just typical that people, you know, the most recent season they see is, oh, it's their favorite. And, uh, I never felt this way. I still think season one might be kind of the tightest as a season and my favorite season. But I would put season four as my second favorite. I think it, it's pretty close, even with that big stumbling at the beginning. But, uh, you know, I, I think, you know, they've reached a peak and they, you know, you don't want to go downhill. You don't want these final seasons to kind of be on the downward slope. So I, I just really want to see how they can keep up, how they can keep it up, how they can keep kind of the show growing. Uh, you know, uh, who knows? Everybody has different opinions. I've read some reviews of people who've seen the first four episodes, and they say they're a little slow. 
a little kind of uh, breathing. And so, uh, you know, I think the show, personally, I think the show works best when it has a mixture of those kind of slow scenes and the kind of fast and the kind of action happening quickly and storylines moving quickly. Well, some storylines move slowly. So if it starts with, uh, like I hear, these first uh, three to four episodes being kind of slow table setting, you know, getting people into the right place, I I just wonder if, you know, we've waited a long time for winter to come. And so I don't know if we're going to, how easily we'll roll when we're like, come on, go. Come on, story, move quicker. We need another Red Wedding. We need another uh, Mountain and Viper. And so uh, it'll be interesting to see how we as an audience react. Yeah, that's a great point. And uh, actually, I put a poll out at podcastwonderful.com asking people to kind of predict or or where they might expect this coming season of Game of Thrones to fall. I know it's just a lot of people just taking a blind stab as to where it would rank among the other seasons. Right now, the uh, the highest percentage getter is somewhere in the middle of of a season ranking of all five, uh, with thirty one percent. But uh, the majority of voters, uh, with twenty nine and twenty seven percent, said either the best season yet or in the top two seasons so far. Um, Oh wow! Yeah, and then you have uh, episode uh, the one of the worst two seasons getting nine percent. And the worst season so far, getting two, two and a quarter percent. So uh, it'll be very interesting to see once we get to the end of the season and we look back on it in comparison to the other seasons, how that finally shakes out for us. I'll probably put this poll up again um, so we can get some real results rather than some predicted results. Um, but uh, I found that I found that very interesting. Um, not it, it seems to me that at least the highest percentage of single vote getters. Um, are saying, you know, they don't expect it to be the best season, but uh, overall, the majority feels it'll be in the perhaps in the top two. So um, we'll have to see. It, it, as we've talked about uh, with the news and stuff like that, it, it does seem like um, that Dave and Dan have said, you know, they're, they're, the worlds are colliding, but. Um, it, it also seems like that there's going to be new characters introduced. Um, it seems like that we're going to be staying in some places. We are going to be visiting some new places, um, but I, I don't know how that's going to, like you said, it might have to be where a lot of things have to be established up front, um, which if you recall, I, I, was it season three that seemed to have a kind of a slow uh, beginning in order to build up to the Red Wedding? Oh, yeah. All the seasons, except maybe last season, uh, season one, I would say, uh, starts with, you know, Bran getting pushed out the window and then the direwolf kill. And then episode three and four until the end of four when Tyrion's caught, those are really kind of slow. And all seasons have slow episodes. It's just uh, when we've waited so long, is it okay to start slow or do you need that kind of purple wedding rush to get everybody back into the into the into the flow of things and everything having these incredibly high stakes that they have. You know, this is a, when you play the game of Thrones, you win or you die. And so uh, it might be you win or die, or for a couple episodes, you just kind of get ready to die. <laughs> you know, it could be like that. We'll see. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Uh, get, get, get cleaned up and then. Right. Die. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So uh, we'll have to see. Uh, great. Thank you, Bubba, so much. Why don't you tell us about the Joffrey podcast and uh, how people can talk to you about Game of Thrones also. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, the Joffrey podcast is uh, a Joffrey-centric look at the Game of Thrones episodes, books, all sorts of fun stuff. Please, everybody, go to iTunes or go to Stitcher or some other uh, podcatcher app and search for the Joffrey podcast, and you'll hear all your 103% pro-Joffrey news. Uh, we'll have certainly have a wrap-up of this thing we're doing Thursday on uh, with the uh, Brian Cogman slash Game of Thrones charity screening this Thursday night. I'll also probably post a lot of pictures on Twitter. And certainly you can write to me. We love people. I love people, I should say. When you tweet at me, when you follow me, when you give me good Game of Thrones uh, leads on Twitter, and you can reach me on Twitter at Fit and Trim. That's F-I-T-T-E-N-T-R-I-M, at Fit and Trim on Twitter. And... Like everybody else, I'm really excited for Podcast Winterfell to get going and these episodes to get going. Uh, I'm subscribed on iTunes. I'm ready to go. Well, thank you very much for subscribing. And I am likewise subscribed to the Joffrey of Podcasts on iTunes and looking forward to uh, hearing your and Catfish's take. Uh, I, I know it might be from from all accounts that we can see a, kind of a grumbly season because it does seem like the showrunners have just totally abandoned the books in the Joffrey aspect of it. But maybe Shameful. we'll see. Well, maybe we'll see shadows of it. Maybe, maybe there'll be some some references that you can point out to the to the audiences. And if nothing else, um, the show should be judged through the Joffrey scale, which I'm sure you guys will continue to do throughout oh, all of season me, five. You are absolutely right. Joffrey's shadow will hang over everything, and so I'm ready. Let's do this. Is what I say. <laughs> Excellent. All right. Well, once again, folks, subscribe to the Joffrey Podcast on iTunes or hit, add them to your playlist on Stitcher. And we just didn't have a whole lot of calls tonight. I understand it was a basketball game night, the big the big game between Wisconsin and Duke, which uh, I have no idea what the score is. Oh, let me and, say it's tied at halftime, and if Wisconsin wins, I get 60 bucks. So let's go Badgers. <laughs> all right. Well, let's go Badgers. Uh, we'd had Axel call in, and, of course, he's from – living in uh, North Carolina, so uh, oh, wow. I imagine that they're, the, the, they're Duke guys this week. Maybe. I don't know. It's, hard, it's always hard for me to tell because North Carolina, if, if you're for North Carolina, then it's, I can't imagine you're rooting for Duke in the Final Four. But nonetheless, uh, Axel Foley is going to tell you how to contact me. Don't forget, folks, the fan call-in show is happening every Monday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time is when we'll start call-in early. We'll have, I'll take as many callers as call in. I'll take everybody, everybody. I'll talk to anybody. I love talking about this show with anybody. So, uh, 724-444-7444. Then you'll be asked for call ID 11884 and the pound sign. And then just dial one and pound if you're asked for a pin to be added on as a guest and talk to me about your feelings about the latest episode of Game of Thrones you can always submit feedback in the same manner, and here's Axel to tell you how. Take care. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boostbytaxday to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.